Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Hey. I thought tonight we'd get weird. Um I've given up. I've caved. I've just decided to embrace the weirdness. I can't stand it anymore. There's no no more resisting. In 2023, truth is stranger than fiction. So I've decided to get weird to get normal. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Because I was laying in bed and I was thinking it all started way back when with Bigfoot. And Bat Boy. We just didn't take it seriously enough. And now, it's all out of control. So tonight, we're going to deal with the serious news. We're going to deal with the weird news. Because it's all the same now. So, buckle up, because uh, we're in for a bit of a ride tonight. We've got Donald Trump. We've got Sasquatch. We've got Justin Trudeau. We've got four people run over in a parking lot in Toronto within the last few hours. Will happen around uh, 20 to 1 this afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. Cops are on the scene. And it looks like it may have been done intentionally. They're investigating it as a homicide. So we've got that. And I'm thinking about Marilyn Monroe's death. I'm thinking about John F. Kennedy's assassination. I'm thinking about the hearings today. The House talking about worldwide threats, terrorism. (laughs) And I'm listening to them, and it's like the stuff they're saying in the hearings today, ah, it echoes, mirrors, confirms, reinforces what I've been telling you for the past couple of weeks about foreign influence, using social media, psyops to influence what's going on here. We're going to talk about that. I'm thinking about Donald Trump, his fling with Karen McDougal. WWF, WWE, whatever wrestling. Cage matches, 
challenges from politicians to other politicians, or it's actually labor leaders to politicians for a cage match, which is eight months ago, but being portrayed today as brand new news by a, a kind of a news organization that's just looking for clicks. We've got six-fingered babies being rescued in the Gaza Strip, which are not even real. Aerial footage of bombed-out places that also, I think, probably sometimes aren't real. Burned-out cars. Because you can't tell the difference, hardly, between the AI stuff now and <clears throat> the fake stuff. And then I'm thinking about Donald Trump talking about fake news. Fake news? Tell me about it, man. Whoa! We've come a long way since 2016. Haven't we? 2023. Flying cars. Going to be here, man, by the end of the decade. By 2033, Hyundai did a story about it today. They're going to have like, uh, what do they call them? Heliports or whatever. It's like airports in your city. In urban areas. With like flying cars. They're coming. They've got it. They've got it figured out how to do it. It's actually kind of cool. But how can it be, Rick? Because there are going to be locked 15 minute cities and we won't be able to get out. Who's going to, they won't do that because we can't fly. They won't let us leave. I don't know, man. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Why build a 15-minute city and lock everybody there if you're not allowed, if you're going to build a flying car thing for people to fly away? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense, does it? It defies logic. Doesn't make any sense at all. Who's going to fly if you can't fly? I've got, oh, I did some really super duper heavy duty investigative journalism, and I've got a recording of Bigfoot. Proves he exists. So we've got that. Uh, we got a dude who was, uh, yeah, charged. Because he wouldn't shut his business down during the pandemic and they dropped the charges against him today. Oh, and Fauci Wouchy. That dude, he ain't coming to Canada no more for that speaking engagement. We told you about being canceled. Apparently, it's like a scheduling conflict. Show you that. We got uh, Betty White, zombie girl. Yeah, real thing. We've got, and I've got the footage here of Trudeau being swarmed in that restaurant. And we've got, uh, what else we got for you? Oh, what a night it's going to be. What a night. UFOs, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock. We got, what else we got? We've got, oh, I've got a baby with a gun. I got a baby with a gun. A real gun, a baby. I got that for you. I've got 
that's weird news, right? I've got, uh, what else have I got? I've got, I can't remember what else I've got. I've got, I've read it written down though. I got Trump talking about vermin. I got Alex Jones going crazy. Maybe we'll show you that. I don't know. Oh, I got a, oh, I've got like, I've got a transgender pre-born infant thing <clears throat> symbol on a supermodel's belly. I got, I've got x-ray specs. I've got, you're, you're not going to want to miss this show, man. This is the best one ever. I have, and I have a, a social media influencer who focuses on golf. Who's kind of pushing the boundaries on the dress code. Seems she's getting a little bit cheeky. But hey, the rules are the rules. And if you're going to make the rules, you got to play by the rules. And I'll explain what I mean. When we come back on the other side of this, because we've got a lot of weird news to share with you tonight. Some of it's good. And a lot of it's pretty bad. Some of it is just, well, it's weird. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The, the world, world is watching. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become, become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarmingly, some media In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free.
Maverick News. The world is watching. We have been lied to. They've been lying to us. Who are they? It's them. We're not supposed to know who they are. It's them. That's why I'm here. To help spread the light. To destroy the shadows. That's what we'll do tonight. We'll begin that process again. On a day when one of the headlines in what is supposed to be the real news is telling us that the Virgin Mary was once again seen shedding tears, real tears. And I think back in time, my time, your time, in our world, it's not very long ago when these things that we were told were fallacies, fiction, were explored but not seriously. We were allowed to hear about them, but we dismissed them as fables, fairy tales, sometimes just horror stories. Tonight, I begin with mainstream media reports from Toronto police telling us that four people have been run over in a parking lot here's the toronto police twitter account is this true yes it's true Collision, Victoria Park Ave and Cassandra Boulevard, 12.40 p.m. Reports that four people have been struck by a vehicle. Unknown. Extent of injuries. Police are on scene. We do not know tonight what the relationship is, was, might have been between the victims and the person driving. This is the CTV mainstream report. All major mainstream media outlets are there. Some independents, 
homicide detectives are investigating. The driver suspected of committing this crime has been arrested. Three people taken to hospital as a result. Four people struck, though. And it says here, police quoted saying there is some information that these people were struck intentionally, and that is why homicide is investigating. And if homicide is investigating, that should tell us that this is either an attempted murder or a murder, potentially, meaning that there's a good chance someone has died or is going to be pronounced dead or is in danger of dying in serious or fatal condition in hospital. And that is really as much as we know this evening at this point. Here are some aerial shots of the scene. And of course, the thing that's coming to mind for people tonight is what's the motive? Why was why would this happen? Who would who would run over four people in a parking lot? Well, you all know, we all know what people are wondering, thinking. Was this motivated by emotions stemming from the war between Israel and Palestine? Hamas? We don't know yet. We don't know, but we will soon hear. We will soon find out. I will continue to monitor this through the evening. If there is more information that comes out and I'm able to keep track of it, I'll share it with you. I would imagine by this time tomorrow, we'll know a fair bit more. And Iran is telling Hamas it will not enter the war with Israel. Iran's supreme leader has told the head of Hamas in a face-to-face meeting in Tehran that Iran will not enter the war. And I guess Iran also accused the, uh, the group, Hamas, of not giving any prior warning of the attacks on October 7th. Don't know what to make of that. Ayatollah Ayatollah rather Ali Kamani told Ismail Hanaye that Iran, a longtime backer of Hamas, would continue to lend the group its political and moral support, but would not intervene directly. I would say that's a Pretty powerful sign that Iran doesn't want this to escalate, but a lot of doublespeak at a time like this and a lot of fake commentary and comments that come out because there's so much crap and strategy being played and deception. We're at war. So... 
judge not by their words, judge by their actions. We'll see where it goes. Strangely, overnight, I woke up, as I always do in the middle of the night, and I had real clarity in where I wanted to take tonight's program. Made a lot of sense, but then through the day, other news events happen, and my trajectory on the storytelling line, timeline, it gets disrupted because all these other stories kind of come into play and then it seems to make less sense logically as things play out. But uh, this is one of the stories really that is sort of, it's definitely related to what I'm talking about tonight, but it's one of those things that's kind of thrown the trajectory of the storytelling off. In fact, all these stories I'm talking about right now have done exactly that. And yet they're all definitely tied in because of the mania that is out there right now, worldwide, everywhere. People are losing their freaking minds. For one reason or another, some people would say it's justified. Other people would say, no, you're just crazy. Depends on your perspective. Well, how about this incident at this restaurant with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? I'll bring it up here for you. Let's take a look. He got chased out of this restaurant by an angry group of people. Nobody seems to like JT. Shame on you! You have blood on your hands! Call for a ceasefire! Call for a ceasefire! Call for a ceasefire! You have blood on your hands! You have blood on your hands! Peace fire now! Peace fire now! You from genocide! not popular anymore. There was a time not so long ago 
when he was like uh, on magazine covers, posing for pictures, just uh, the, the, the only thing he seemed to have to worry about was whether his hair was properly combed. Not so today. People have lost their patience with him. Yeah, I think some people have lost their minds. And he's one of the reasons they have lost their minds. One of the main reasons in Canada should never lock people down. Shouldn't have done it. Look at the damage. Look at the damage. It all started right then and there. Well, it started long before that. But that was what just, that was just the, that was the ice cream, the, 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 the whipped cream and the cherry right there. The lockdowns. Thank you for that, by the way, Justin. For keeping us safe. That was fantastic. Appreciate that. But hey, at least he's, you know, trying to stay on the right side of history on this uh, conflict between Israel and Hamas, Palestine, whatever you want to call whatever. Whatever. I don't even know what to say or call it anymore because they're messing with our language so much. War with Hamas, or is it Palestine, or who's fighting? You're not even allowed to say it. CBC, not allowed to say that Hamas is a terrorist group, but down if you're with your Fox News terrorists, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's like with this news today, you look at one story and you get two, two tall tales. This side views it this way and the other side views it a completely different way. And yet somehow through all of this, we seem to be coming full circle and ending up in the same darn place. With everybody wanting to destroy our country. Regardless of what side you're coming at it from. Doesn't sound very patriotic to me. But here's JT talking about you know, everybody's just got to get along. Especially the suffering we see in and around the Al-Shifa hospital. I have been clear that the price of justice cannot be the continued suffering of all Palestinian civilians. Even wars have rules. All innocent life is equal in worth, Israeli and Palestinian. I urge the government of Israel to exercise maximum restraint. As the world is watching on TV, on social media, we're hearing the testimonies of doctors, family members, survivors, kids who've lost their parents. The world is witnessing this, the killing of women and children, of babies. This has to stop heart-wrenching. And yet somehow coming from him, it just seems hollow.
yeah, it has to stop. What are you doing about it? Well, I don't know if you can actually do anything about it. I don't know. Benjamin Netanyahu, he's not too happy with uh, Trudeau. He posted this on Twitter. Taking him to task. He says in this post, let me show you. So many buttons to click just to put a thing on the screen. Okay. He says, it is not Israel. This is at Justin Trudeau. It is not Israel that is deliberately targeting civilians, but Hamas that beheaded, burned, and massacred civilians in the worst horrors perpetrated on Jews since the Holocaust. While Israel is doing everything to keep civilians out of harm's way, Hamas is doing everything to keep them in harm's way. Israel provides civilians in Gaza humanitarian corridors and safe zones. Hamas prevents them from leaving at gunpoint. It is Hamas, not Israel, that should be held accountable for committing a double war crime, targeting civilians while hiding behind civilians. The forces of civilization must back Israel in defeating Hamas barbarism. That's Benjamin Netanyahu with a direct message to the Prime Minister of Canada. While he's saying that, I'm seeing leaders from some other countries, including Colombia. I see reports in various media outlets, in particular some independent outlets like The Intercept, highlighting calls for Netanyahu to be removed and maybe even charged with war crimes. And it looks like some countries may even pursue that. Will that go anywhere? Have my doubts. At this point. We'll see what happens as the when the when the conflict draws to something of a close. And here's Jagmeet Singh, leader of the New Democratic Party in Canada. This is, he's a socialist. His party's a socialist party. Although I wouldn't say they represent workers very effectively these days, but anyway, that's kind of the way socialism goes in 2023. And he's, this is him addressing it. So you get his, I'll just give you his take on it. All the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, as he puts it. What we're seeing right now in Canada is something really troubling. We're seeing a rise of hate and we're seeing it in a rise of Islamophobia, a rise in anti-Semitism, and it is impacting kids right now in Canada. And what's really troubling about it is the stories that I'm hearing. There's stories from Jewish kids who are afraid to wear anything that identifies them as Jewish. Kids that are worried about wearing their kippah or Star of David or even their shirt that shows what school they go to. And I've heard from Muslim kids that are worried that if they wear their hijab or if they 
are talking about anything that relates to their loved ones in Palestine, somehow they'll be labeled as a terrorist or that they're going to be attacked for that. And it is really scary. And I can relate to what that feels like to not be able to wear an article of faith, a symbol that represents who you are. I remember when I was a kid and my turban would get ripped off or people would call me a terrorist just because of the way I looked. And I know how scary that is. And I want to say a message to those kids. I know how much courage it takes to still wear your article of faith, to still be who you are. And I want you to do that. I want you to have the courage to do that. I want you to be proud of who you are. And I want folks to know I see you and I know how scary that can be. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure that you are safe to practice your faith, to be who you are, to wear whatever article of faith or religious symbol you want. That's the Canada we want to build. And I'm, I'm scared and I'm sad that that's people are going through right now. And I want folks to know I'm working to make sure that that's not how things are. Okay, so that's Jagmeet Singh. And yeah, I absolutely understand what he's saying. I, he's using his usual woke trigger language. I see you. That's a lefty thing. Um, a woke thing. I see you. <sighs> Language. And you know, it's it's like, ah, you know, it's, it's so weird because it's like you, you take a story and you see one side sees it this way, the other side sees it that way. You can have people watch a car accident Two cars hit head on and you'll, you'll get a hundred different, maybe not a hundred, but let's just say for the, for the sake of simplicity, you'll get two people. One person sees it one way. It's that guy's fault. The other guy sees it the other way. It's the other guy's fault. It depends on how you spin the information. And if you have people sitting there trying to convince somebody or convince a group of people that it's a particular way, that becomes a very powerful thing as well. If you're skilled at manipulating people's minds using language, sometimes you can convince them that black is white and white is black. Uh, all through my journalism career, I'd, I've, I'd seen it. I've seen it so many times. Most pronounced, most the most memorable thing was the Freedom Convoy for me that's one of the reasons we resurrected this channel to bring people truth we said we will show as many much of the live streaming as we can to keep everyone honest to show people the truth as much of the truth as we possibly could in long form unedited video form and we did as much of that as we possibly could and yet at the end of the entire exercise, you had still diametrically opposed groups. One group, the neoliberal woke progressives on the side of government, on the side of those who said that the truckers were disruptive and engaging in illegal acts. And then on the other side, it was all peaceful and a completely different take on the entire situation. And the same is happening right now with Israel, Palestine, 
But I can tell you this, as I sit here as a journalist, trying to be as unbiased as I possibly can so I can remain open to hearing all sides of the discussion, it's becoming apparent to me that, again, there's some lying going on on both sides. And, and some people taking real liberties with the narrative, with their language. There's uh, an interview up right now with John Anderson interviewing Neil Ferguson. We ran a clip of John Anderson interviewing Douglas Murray, one of this era's most important thought leaders, I would say. But now Neil Ferguson, and he's he he makes a reference to the victims. He's he's clearly pro-Israel, but he makes a reference to the victims and the dead babies. And the the narrative about the beheaded, forgive me, folks, if my language is strong, but this is news and this needs to be discussed. You know, the beheaded babies that we've been hearing so much about didn't talk about that in that way, but somehow he talked about, well, I'm going to play the clip and see if you pick up on what he says that I think is just straight up not true. And this kind of thing does not help the Israeli cause at all. Because I don't know why he would say what he's about to say, but he says it right in the middle of this interview. It sort of just washes over folks, but it shouldn't. Because <laughs> because words are important. Truth is important. And I'm not going to let it just slide. I'm not going to let it just wash over me. I, I heard it. I picked up on it. And I'm going to share it with you so that you become aware of it as well. Now, for all I know, he believes it. It may It is not necessarily that he's lying, but he could be repeating someone else's lie. Anyway, let me play it for you. See if you pick up on what he's about to say. Here we go. Because where were these 2,000 sociologists in the 24 hours after October the 7th? Where was their statement of solidarity? with the people of Israel who had been the victims of a horrendous terrorist atrocity, a kind of trailer for a second Holocaust. They were conspicuously silent. And that's the most shocking thing, it seems to me, about parts of Western society today, that there are people who feel extraordinary indignation on behalf of the Palestinian people, but apparently no indignation on behalf of the, the Jewish people, the Israelis, who were initially attacked. I also find it extraordinary that the moral equivalence that people suggest between terrorists murdering innocent women, children, babies, putting babies in ovens for heaven's sake, and the Israeli Defense Forces retaliating uh, in a way to, to target the perpetrators, going out of their way to minimize civilian casualties. Hamas doesn't care about the people of Palestine. It doesn't care at all. Hamas actually has built these tunnels not as shelters, but exclusively for its own military use. And when a leader of Hamas was asked about this, his response was, well, the tunnels are for us. It's the problem of the UN to look after the Palestinian people. It's the Did you pick up on what he said? 
that I, I think is just false. I'm looking in the chat. I'm going to look over here. Let me go to the Rumble channel. Check the chat in there. Did I'm going to ask you guys, did you hear what he said that I think is maybe you picked up on it. Maybe you didn't. Yeah, I'm looking in the chat. Anybody, anybody. Yeah, I see it. Yep. Babies and ovens. Babies and ovens. I watched that video. I have that video that was released of the actual attack by Hamas. So I watched the whole thing. There might be more someplace, but was how long was it? Was that 40 minutes approximately, half an hour? We ran it on this program. I didn't see any babies in ovens. And given the nature of the attack, where would they get the ovens to put the babies in? These would have to be crematoriums. This was uh, an attack that took place with people breaching the barrier, getting in, riding around on motorcycles and in cars and targeting civilians, taking hostages. But where would they find the time to take the babies and put them in ovens? That's imagery from the Holocaust being overlaid onto this. And it was done in passing, a single comment. But if you're paying attention and you know anything about history and if you can think for yourself at all, you would know that that statement about it happening on October 7th has got to be untrue. They would not have had the time. They would not have had the ovens to do it. It's not like they brought ovens with them. Like, what was that? Was that intentional? It doesn't help the Israeli cause. Israel is losing the information war. In this case, they're in deep crap at the moment. Because the forces that have come to bear on this, on the Palestinian Hamas side, in terms of information warfare, they are formidable. I would say, based on the techniques being used, the style of everything that I'm seeing in terms of social media posting and so on, it all seems like it's coming from the same sources as, uh, as the other psyops that are being perpetrated upon people. They go from one news cycle to the next, and it seems like they're almost controlling it, choreographing it. If I didn't know better, I'd say they're planning it and executing it. Channeling the energy in such a way that it these plans become self-fulfilling prophecies upon which they then 
capitalize with information warfare and psychological operations to fuel the next tragic event designed to disrupt and destroy our society. And then this, I think, was intended to fight back in some way. He's lashing out with his words, but the words were either poorly chosen in this particular case or <laughs> maliciously chosen. I don't know what, but there's no way the babies were put in ovens to be cremated. Maybe he misspoke. But somehow I just don't think so. Let me take a quick break. Because uh, I've got to wrap my head around the next thing here. And that just the images of that that it just even put in my mind, even though I know that it didn't happen that way. I'm not saying it didn't happen. That the deaths didn't happen. They absolutely did. That much I can tell you folks is true. That they didn't put the babies in ovens. And it's just wrong to say it that way. It's just wrong. truth science can pave the way to truth it's happening it just happened in canada just now just within the last day the murder of a toronto teenager has been solved 50 years later half a century has passed and there she is yvonne larue They've solved the case, the murder of Yvonne LaRue. Murdered 50 years ago. York Regional Police have solved the cruel and ruthless murder of a 16-year-old girl who was killed in King Township more than 50 years ago. The body of Toronto teen Yvonne LaRue was discovered by a passerby on the morning of November 30th, 1972 in the area of 16 side road between Jane and Keel streets. And so what happened here is after a, after decades of investigation and a $50,000 reward being office offered, they never caught anybody. The police then turned to investigate genetic genealogy, IgG in 2022 after exhausting all other traditional means of investigation. DNA. DNA technology. 
So using suspect DNA found at the crime scene, which thankfully was secured at the time and preserved for more than 50 years, a DNA profile was generated. That profile was then uploaded to public genealogical databases. And so what did this lead to? It led to police figuring out that this was very likely a murder committed by a man. Let me find his name here. Sorry, I, did, I had it memorized and now it slipped my mind, but it's in here. But this guy, it wound up committing suicide two years after the murder. And his name was Bruce Charles Cantillon. He was 26 years old. Police do not know what the relationship was exactly between the two or what the motive might have been because they don't have enough information still, but they have been able to link the crime to him. And that is now giving the family some closure five decades later. Is that truth? Yeah, that's truth. <clears throat> that's truth. That's not even justice, really. That's justice delayed and justice denied. Justice never realized, but at least the family has some closure. All that because of technology. Undeniable. Definitive. That's truth. And we have a business owner, Jesse Johnson, says that he might actually sue the federal government in Canada. He says that the government tried to break him financially, mentally, and spiritually. He says his business in Calgary, Alberta, was destroyed by the government because he refused to discriminate during the pandemic based on vaccination status. Well, today the charges against him were dropped. So he says he is going to sue the federal government for damages. Says he has, it's, it's pretty clear he has no regrets about taking the stand that he did. Very courageous. And this is from Mocha... Zirgen, who uh, was on scene and captured this clip with Jesse. Uh, pursuing a civil suit, yes. Uh, it is a, a bittersweet irony what happened here today. Uh, my restaurant was shut unadjudicated 
I was uh, deemed uh, guilty without going to a court of law. They shut a man's business down of 20 years, uh, two families that depended on that, 30 people that were employed by it, the millions of, of dollars in taxes that I collected every year because I did what? Because I chose to accept all and to extend my love to all the fine people of Calgary. A travesty uh, of justice is what, 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 what occurred. Really, truly a shame, a grotesque perversion of hospitality. Uh, and I hope, I hope and pray that uh, my brothers and the sisters in the restaurant industry will stand up in the future uh, and refuse to discriminate any of their customers for any reason whatsoever. Uh, it was truly a, a, a shame what happened to the hospitality industry. Has it been a difficult two years for you? It's the most difficult experience of my life. Uh, these bastards, they literally tried to break me. They tried to break me financially. They tried to break me mentally and they tried to break me spiritually. Uh, and they almost came close. Uh, if it wasn't for the good people that joined me here today, the many who uh, I fought with on the streets of Calgary, in the prairies at Coots, uh, in Winnipeg, all across Canada, the millions who rose up to defend our rights and freedoms in this great, great land. Uh, we need to uh, pray to Jesus Christ to offer us forgiveness uh, and uh, to give us the light to fight further into the future. What is your message to people who are still fighting against, against these charges, against the government? The government is still going after them. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. Uh, and uh, believe in yourself. Uh, one thing I've learned across this journey is that uh, the power of the human spirit is indomitable. And if there's a mountain in front of me, that mountain shall move. I would say is a win. In the freedom column. A partial win. Now he needs justice. He will fight back. And I pray that he is successful with his lawsuit. We need more wins like that because that isn't just a win for him that's a win for everyone everyone and you know that um incident with trudeau i mean <clears throat> that's a direct result of the lockdowns that swarming at the restaurant that was in vancouver Yeah, you know, I mean, they might have been shouting pro-Palestinian rhetoric, but we all know that it started with the lockdowns. Oh, he scared people and he had everybody scared for a while. Maybe not everybody, but the majority of people. But things have certainly shifted, haven't they? I mean, there he was in Chinatown. And do you know that Vancouver police had to send 100 police officers down there to protect him. They even used a taser to subdue one man. You didn't see that in the video, but they, they did confirm that they used a taser to subdue one man who was arrested for assaulting an officer and another person was arrested there for obstruction. And the level of anger, frustration, and outright hatred, rage that people are feeling toward the prime minister, it means you can't go anywhere without protection. As you saw, 
As a result, do you know how much they spent to protect Justin Trudeau last year? $30 million. $30 million on security for Justin Trudeau. That's got to be a record. I don't think any prime minister in Canadian history has cost taxpayers that much. $30 million just to keep him safe. And yet there he is, I have to say, taking extreme risks, walking through public crowds. He doesn't know. Those police don't know. Those CSIS guys, the RCMP, they don't know who's in that restaurant. They don't know who might be screwed up in the head enough to act out on the emotions they're feeling, the emotions that are being fueled by the actions of Trudeau, the past actions of Trudeau, the actions of the government, and amplified as well by what they're watching online and how they're feeling and just even talking to people because just sitting around talking with people can inflame emotions too, can't it? Well, you know, I've been explaining as well that outside political forces have been exploiting the situation, especially of late with the Israel-Palestine conflict and, uh, and more than that, they are screwing with people's minds as well. I showed you that they seem to have infiltrated QAnon and they're injecting, you know, narratives, information, even videos and so on that they're directing at people to not try to cancel QAnon out. It's like, it's like they've joined in and they've, they fan the flames, they accelerate it. And uh, is that true? Yes, that's true. I've seen the intelligence reports. I've seen other evidence of it. And today, the House Committee was holding hearings on worldwide threats facing the United States. And uh, a lot of what was said by people, politicians, security experts on both sides of the political aisle, a lot of what they were saying reinforced what I've been talking about, where they are screwing with people's minds. Let me just run some of the opening comments from the chair of the committee today, and you'll hear him touch on some of this subject matter. More dynamic each day. Audio is a little I don't say this lightly. It up. I can't get it any louder. This is one of the most dangerous times in the history of the United States. Some of the greatest threats include an open and lawless southwest border. Ask any border sheriff, or for that matter, the mayor of New York City, the rising threat of terrorism, rogue nation state actors and criminal elements seeking to do us harm, and efforts by foreign adversaries like the Chinese Communist Party to target our critical infrastructure. Of course, we also have the wars in Israel and Ukraine, 
and rising Chinese aggression in the Taiwan Strait and the South China Sea. To overcome these significant challenges, we must take a clear-eyed and holistic look at these threats. First, we're facing an unprecedented crisis at our southwest border. In just three years, the administration has systematically dismantled our nation's border security and created the worst border crisis in American history. While my friends on the left defend these actions, though now maybe less so than they did at the start, it is clear that this crisis is not the result of budget cuts, changes in Border Patrol resources, or changes in the immigration laws passed by Congress. What has changed was the cancellation of effective policies that had secured our borders. The Biden administration ended proven policies like Remain in Mexico, asylum cooperative agreements, and construction of new border wall systems. As a result, people tested the system, were released into the country, called home, and millions more came. A lot like a college town bar that doesn't card. Before long, they have a line out the door. Worse, as acknowledged by A.G. Garland, uh, Attorney General Garland, the drug cartels have taken advantage of this policy shift and executed a strategy pushing mass waves of people to tie up Border Patrol and then bypass them with thousands of pounds of fentanyl, killing Americans at an unprecedented rate. Worse, as acknowledged by A.G. General, uh, Attorney General Garland, the drug cartels have taken advantage of this policy shift and executed a strategy that is tying basically resulting in mass human trafficking. Under Secretary Mayorkas, we just saw a record-breaking year for illegal immigration. CBP reported 2.47 million alien encounters along the southwest border in fiscal year 2023. Since taking office, Secretary Mayorkas has overseen more than 6.5 million southwest border encounters, 7.8 million nationwide encounters, and more than 1.8 million known gotaways. All records. To put this into perspective, the number of illegal immigrants who've entered our country since President Biden took office is greater than the population of 33 of our nation's states. I'll repeat that. More than 33 out of our 50 states. Furthermore, under Secretary Mayorkas, violent Mexican cartels are making record profits. In fact, the New York Times reported that cartels earned around 500 million a year in 2018 on human smuggling. Today, they earn an estimated 13 billion. The failure of this administration's border policies has created a humanitarian and national security crisis as transnational criminal organizations prey on vulnerable migrants and sneak across violent felons and individuals on the terrorist watch list. And yet, Secretary Mayorkas has continued to mislead Congress and the American people, claiming that this is what a secure border looks like. Second, Malicious activity by nation-state actors and terrorism poses a direct threat to the United States homeland. Without question, the homeland is less safe under this president. The catastrophic Afghanistan withdrawal two years ago signaled weakness and a lack of leadership to the world. Our nation's adversaries have been emboldened to attack our allies and our friends and are undermining our security here at home. Significant threats to our cities and our local communities are only growing. As each of you recently testified before the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs, foreign terrorist organizations, including those supported by Tehran, have gained a sense of momentum following Hamas's brutal terrorist attack against Israel last month. 
These terrorist organizations continue to call for attacks against the U.S. at home and abroad. This includes al-Qaeda, which, as Director Ray has pointed out, has issued its most specific call to attack the U.S. in the last five years. As our adversaries seek to further destabilize the Middle East, we must confront how these threats directly impact our own homeland security. According to DHS, 294 aliens whose name appear on the terrorist watch list were stopped trying to cross our southwest border between ports of entry since FY 2021. Compare that with 11 individuals stopped in the four years before FY 2017 through 2020. Think about that for a moment. It's intuitive. Why would these individuals, who under the previous president only had 11 attempts to cross and were caught, suddenly feel like they could try and succeed? Policy changes. In the last two years, CBP encountered over 6,000 special interest aliens from Afghanistan, 1,600 from Pakistan, 659 from Iran, and 123 from Iraq between ports of entry. Additionally, DHS documents obtained by this committee show that more than 20,000 Russians, nearly 230 Afghans, and more than 1,800 Uzbeks have been released into the country via the misguided CBP-1 app, mass parole program, with minimal or no vetting. And these are just the ones we know about. How many other individuals posing a national security threat have been among the 1.8 million known gotaways? No one knows. And that is terrifying. Our committee has been engaged with DHS, the FBI, NCTC, to ensure resources are appropriately allocated to counter these threats from terrorism. That said, more must be done. We, we are still waiting on sufficient information on the Biden administration's handling of the heightened national security risks posed by a massive number of aliens with terrorist ties illegally crossing the southwest border. We will not be deterred. We demand DHS's full compliance and without delay. Compliance that I might add is dictated by the Constitution. Third, anti-Semitism is rising and threats against communities of faith in the United States are reaching historic levels. Anti-Semitic attacks have risen sharply in the United States since October 7th. Foreign terrorist organizations like ISIS have called on its extremist supporters to target Jewish communities in the United States and Europe. The free world pledged never again nearly 80 years ago. Now it's time we stand firm and united against this evil. We must not let these anti-Semitic attacks and the increasingly hateful rhetoric become a harbinger of something worse to come. We must do all we can to protect houses of worship and vulnerable communities from such targeted violence. Fourth, cyber attacks continue to undermine our homeland security. The cyber threats we face from malicious nation states and cyber criminals are increasingly complex. This summer, the federal government experienced multiple incidences, including right before the Secretary of Commerce's visit to, to China. Our critical infrastructure is also under attack. This year's annual threat assessment of the United States intelligence community highlighted the threat that adversarial cyber actors pose to our critical infrastructure owners and operators. DHS, CISA, and the FBI have a crucial role to play in supporting these owners and operators to defend against and respond to these threats. Finally, we must address the challenge posed by the CCP. Against the backdrop of all these threats lie the specter of a regime that continues to challenge the United States economically, technologically, diplomatically, and militarily. 
Through its relentless espionage, the CCP is stealing U.S. intellectual property, trade secrets, and other sensitive data of Americans and American companies. Over the past year alone, the CCP has increased its espionage efforts against the homeland in a variety of ways. These include the CCP's surveillance balloon, collecting intelligence on sensitive sites, and Chinese nationals posing as tourists to access our military installations and other sensitive sites. And Chinese nationals who have crossed our southern border at unprecedented levels. 24,000 apprehensions of Chinese nationals at the southwest border in FY 2023 alone, a 1,100% increase from last year. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see there's intentionality there. If recent reports are correct, the CCP also operates dozens of overseas police stations, which aid their transnational repression effort by intimidating and threatening Chinese dissidents abroad. DHS and the FBI must ensure that transnational repression tactics and schemes by foreign governments cannot continue on American soil, and we stand ready to help. The CCP has also made strides in infiltrating our nation's education system. It should concern every American that billions of dollars from the CCP are flowing into our K-12 classrooms and institutions of higher education. This is a systematic effort by the CCP to expand its influence within America's classrooms and promote its authoritarian and anti-American agenda. So what is the Homeland Security Committee doing about these threats? Well, first in May, we passed H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act, the most comprehensive border security legislation in decades. We have addressed cyber threats head on through a whole of nation approach. We've passed legislation encountering responsible use, encouraging responsible use of open source software in the federal government and building DHS's cyber workforce. I've convened a group of committees across Congress to discuss and develop solutions to this problem that implicate multiple committees of jurisdiction. Okay. So I know the people have lost trust, confidence in government. Totally understand it, especially after coming through the pandemic and the lockdowns and the masks and the jabby jab. I get it. I was never trusting of government to begin with. However, life is not black and white. It doesn't mean everything they're telling us is a lie. It means a lot of what they're saying is a lie. They're lying. But it doesn't mean they're always lying. It doesn't mean that external forces are not engaging in activities to undermine and destroy Western society. So much damage has been done to our society since the pandemic that people have been manipulated in such a way or the situation has created a situation where people are quick to embrace the opposite to the point where we have many people even within the freedom movement, the conservative movement, Republicans, MAGA people, QAnon people were convinced that foreign countries are our friends. 
foreign adversaries are our friends who are trying to help us and might save us somehow while our own government and even our own system is working against us. These security officials, Homeland Security, FBI, they're telling you that the external threat is still there. It's always been there. Of course, the other countries work against the United States, against Canada, against the West. We're in competition with them economically, socially, ideologically. It's a constant struggle. It always has been since the beginning of time. It's no different now. It never will be different. It doesn't make them your friend. Yet some people seem to be thinking in that way. And I'm seeing actual, like, tangible, written down evidence of that. And it doesn't mean that the government's your friend either. Don't take the red pill. Don't take the blue pill. They're both an illusion. Be aware. Learn how the system works. Then you'll understand what's really going on. And you can take steps as an individual to protect yourself and, by extension, help protect your community and your country and make life better for everyone. The threat is real. That's real. They're telling you that the threat is still there, that it's real. When Ronald Reagan was telling you that the threat was real during the Cold War, he meant it. When John F. Kennedy was telling you the threat was real, Cuban Missile Crisis, real. It was real. And he was telling us that. Why people suddenly, why, what has happened in people's minds to make people think that suddenly foreign adversaries are our friends? It's very odd. Well, I've been telling you why. <laughs> this is the tail end of Christopher Ray from the FBI and another security official. We'll pick up more for, of this testimony at this hearing today on worldwide threats to make sure that they've got the tools they need to keep all of us safe indispensable in that toolkit against foreign adversaries are the fbi's fisa 702 authorities and i'm happy to talk about all the things the fbi's done over the past couple of years to make sure we're good stewards of our 702 authorities but i can tell you it would be absolutely devastating if the next time an adversary like Iran or China launches a major cyber attack, we don't see it coming because 702 was allowed to lapse. Or, or with the fast-moving situation in the Middle East, just imagine if some foreign terrorist organization overseas shifts its intentions and directs an operative here who'd been contingency planning to carry out an attack in our own backyard. And imagine if we're not able to disrupt that threat because the FBI's 702 authorities have been so watered down. I want to close by thanking you for your continued support of the FBI's men and women who work tirelessly and selflessly to protect all Americans. Thank you for having me here today. I look forward to your questions.
Thank you, Director Ray. I now recognize Director Abizade for five minutes to summarize her opening statement. Thank you, Chairman Green, Ranking Member Thompson, and members of the committee, thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today. This hearing is especially timely as we continue to monitor the response of global terrorist actors in the wake of Hamas's tragic and brutal 7 October terrorist attack. The attack affected Americans directly, including over 32 who were killed and those who were taken hostage. While Hamas itself continues to focus its operational activity in the immediate region, Hamas's attack and the conflict that it has precipitated has reverberated across the globe among an ideologically diverse array of threat actors. Whether it be members of Al-Qaeda or ISIS, individuals inspired, including those motivated by a racial or ethnic animus, or groups considered to be a part of the Iranian-aligned axis of resistance, terrorists and violent extremists are exploiting multiple core grievances to fuel violence. Among these grievances, are the renewed salience of the Israeli-Palestinian issue, the already heightened atmosphere of anti-Semitism globally and narratives that call for violence as a result, and a refocused attention on U.S. military involvement in the region and our relationship with Israel. All of these are amplified by graphic images and emotive content shared over social media in a way intended to drive groups and individuals to political violence. Sorry, my microphone was muted. Did you hear what she said, folks? She said exactly what I've been saying for the past couple of weeks. Slightly different words, same message. The message being that external political forces are at play and they are engaging in psychological warfare, information warfare. You are the target. We are the target. And it's very effective. They are trying to get people jacked up. Our own government does it too. They do it somewhat to us to get a certain kind of response, but it's not in their best interest to get people so angry that we're out in the streets <laughs> being so disruptive that it puts their very, it puts the very government at risk. No, that's not our government doing that. The point is she's just reinforcing and making my point for me. You, we need to be aware because who the heck wants to be manipulated? There's no freedom and being psychologically manipulated to the point where you're not sure what's up, what's down, what's right, what's wrong. Who's your friend? Who's your enemy? We don't even know. You want to fight, but you're fighting shadows. You end up self-destructing. And that ultimately, I think, is the goal. Not only you self-destructing, Western society self-destructs. 
They've been at it for a long time. That's true. We all know it. The strange thing is, if you listened to me say what I'm telling you a year ago, two years ago, certainly three years ago, people would probably nod their head and go, yeah, we can see that. A few years ago, people were upset when statues of our founding fathers were being torn down. In Canada, when the first statue of the first prime minister of Canada was taken down, people got upset. When they were vandalized, toppled, when churches were burned, people were upset. An assault on our country, on our way of life. History being rewritten. People took issue with it. Didn't like it. Yet strangely, in the past couple of weeks, when I point out that there are people engaging in activities that are exactly the same, rewriting our history, you know what the response is that I'm getting from some people? You're just not awake. You don't realize that you've been lied to, that the history is false. So two years ago, even a year ago, you were, you were ready to defend the country and defend our history, defend our Canadian culture, U.S. culture, whatever that is. And yet within the last couple of weeks, people seem ready to throw that right out the window because they've embraced what? Woke politics? Anti-colonialism? That is woke leftist progressive politics. That's the 1619 Project, where they're telling you the, 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 the United States got its start not in 1776, but in 1619 with the arrival of the first slaves. They rewrote your history. And now the very people who are around me just months ago, who were upset by that sort of rewriting of history, are now angry if you don't want to rewrite it and tear it all down. It's a little bit weird. And that's the weird news, the weirdness in the news. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Why would you suddenly change your thinking? Because they're pivoting the narrative and they've twisted everything around in your mind with language games. The very language games that you were also upset about. You know, your gender pronouns. They're doing the same thing when they tell the CBC that they can't call Hamas a terrorist group. They're doing the same thing with words to get you to kind of flip your thinking. Why do you think you're seeing the rise in anger? These things are not organic. Now, we don't know always who's doing what or how they're doing it, how they're accomplishing these things, but it's happening and it's weird. It's weird and scary. And these security people know it. They don't know how to deal with it, honestly. Because it's unprecedented, it's happening, and it's never happened before. And they're searching for answers. And you know what we're getting as a result from our government censorship? 
they want to shut it down. They don't want people talking about this stuff. So they want to censor it. That's why we're getting it. They're trying to protect society, protect the government, protect their own butts. As a result, as I said, they're becoming the very monster that or they're just becoming just like the monster that they think they're fighting because they're becoming authoritarian. They have become authoritarian. And this has been going on for a long time. And because there's all this psyop crap going on, and a lot of it is designed, honestly, to just drive people freaking nuts. To just get people to be disruptive. And they attack the most vulnerable. The people who are most vulnerable psychologically, they go after them. And people end up doing really crazy, weird stuff, don't they? Yes, they do. Well, what kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it's this started a long time ago, folks. Here, let me show you. This, how stupid some people can be and how... And this might not seem related, but I'm telling you, it is. Here's a video of a baby with a gun. A baby with a gun. Bang, bang. Bang. That's say bang. I don't know if it's news, but it's reality. Shoot. A real Shoot. gun. Bang. It's a real gun. Bang. 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 Yeah. Shoot that thing, fat yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, good idea. It's bad idea. Stupid. Okay, yeah. Great parents. Great parents. Now are they they're either stupid. Or they've been screwed up in the head somehow. Now, that's not a brand new video, but that's out there. And that just shows you how some people are just, well, they're out to lunch. Why would people do something like that? I don't know, man. Because they're dumb. Messed up. Angry. When you're angry, you don't think straight. When you're scared, you don't think straight. During the pandemic, people weren't thinking straight. They were scared and angry. And you know that emotion, it's just, they've been keeping it at a kind of a fever pitch, haven't they? A little bit of a dip and then they get you right back up. And then a little bit of a, a dip and a fever and back and forth. And it's a roller coaster ride. And they're trying to keep people scared and angry. And when you're dealing with those emotions, man, you are not thinking straight. That's why you're seeing the rage out there. And pay it, man, people were enraged when I said that Dr. Fauci was coming to town in Canada. Well, not now. I guess it's been canceled. He was due sometime this month at a very expensive fundraiser for, I believe it was in the Hamilton area. It seemed almost like a trap because for sure there was going to be a gigantic protest. <laughs> oh, if he had come to town for something like that. Oh, the anger, the rage that would have flowed. Talk about the need for security. Well, there's a guy who's fueled a lot of rage right there. Mr. Fauci. 
Anyway, he's not coming. It's been canceled. There was a scheduling conflict, apparently. Somehow, I think it might have been a little deeper than that. You know, all this craziness. Like, where did it actually start? I don't know. I think when I think back, though, like, I'm thinking there was this, this same kind of insanity. It, it like, it flows from a place of mysticism, a place of faith vulnerability emotion it it was always out there but when i was growing up and i'm sure you can probably relate to this the kind of information that we're talking about here it was out there there was talk of ufos there was talk of crazy stuff but it was never taken that seriously you know today a lot of these ideas that back then would have been considered pretty crazy, like UFOs, it's all being taken very seriously. And the history is being rewritten. But I think a lot of these tales from the past, whether it's Bigfoot or the, uh, the death of Marilyn Monroe and the possibility that she had been murdered, all of these things steeped in conspiracy or mystery they all end have they've all lent to what we're experiencing and going through today even donald trump strangely at the center of a lot of this all through his existence as a public figure you go back to the 1980s you know and i think about trump where did he come from He's like, uh, it's like America is a circus. You know, it's not, it, it, America has some refinement, but really when I think of America, I think of like uh, a flea market. It, it's not like Saks Fifth Avenue. It's not, uh, it's not a Rolls Royce. It's a place of the people, common people. And it's like a, it's like a, just a common person's, working person's flea market. And Trump fits right in. He's part of the circus, you know? Strangely, you think about America in terms of international political ideology and, you know, the communists will say, oh, it's a capitalistic, fascistic society. And no, you know, really. And, you know, communist workers of the world unite. Workers of the world have united in the United States. It does represent the common man, the common person. That's at the heart of the whole thing. 1776, independence. Individuals fighting for their rights. De decoupling from the monarchy, yet still maintaining some sort of a relationship, even though there was a bloody conflict in order to secure the independence of the United States and establish it as a republic and not a constitutional monarchy, I guess. It's a place of just regular folks. That's why it's so crude in some, some ways. It's not a country of the elite. It's rough. It's raucous.
it's it's not the New York Times. It is the National Enquirer. It is Elon Musk, but it's also the truck driver and the plumber. The people who, you know, get down and get the job done. And the store clerk and the pharmacist and the candle maker. It's all the people. That's the United States. And with that, you get a lot of color. We've seen, I've seen it all my life, but a lot of it, you know, I, you don't take a lot of it that seriously because some of it is kind of crazy talk. It's kind of crazy, right? But maybe not. All I can say is I've just kind of given up. I'm just going with it from now on. It's like, admit it. It's a real thing. Whatever it might be, I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to have to go with it, right? And I should have been paying more attention to taking all this stuff much more seriously when I was younger, back in the 70s, back in the 80s. Where did it all start? It started with like Bigfoot, Tales of Bigfoot. When you were in school, did, didn't that fascinate you? It certainly did me. You know, there were all kinds of tales of Bigfoot. And today, those things are still out there. And every once in a while, they resurface. We hear about things like UFOs, which are coming to the surface again now. And even, yes, Bigfoot. Well, I've discovered that, yes, there is new information out there confirming the existence of Bigfoot. Yes, Bigfoot is real. I've got the proof right here. This is a, a recording of Sasquatch. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more right here. Hang on. This is, this is important right here. Listen. Listen close. There's two of them across the creek at the big rocks. It's a hard act to follow. Also, they sound like he talks to others and they talk to each other. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. 
Wow. What more proof do you need? What more proof do you need? Come on. Admit it. I know you don't want to believe it. But Sasquatch. Open your mind. Don't be a sheeple. Don't be one of the sheeples. Don't be one of the sheeples. You know, when I was a kid, too, the other thing that uh, really caught my attention was weekly world news, right? Weekly world news. Now, there was a publication steeped in truth. Do you remember weekly world news? Let's bring up some covers. Oh, yes, here we are. Let's show you some weekly world news covers. I have a copy somewhere around here of the very last edition of Weekly World News, and they had real journalists who used to work on this tabloid, fear porn mag, whatever. Bat boy, bat child. Yes. This is uh, this is the home of Bat Boy. They chronicled his exploits. They stoked fear into the hearts of many Americans and people around the world. Bat Boy. Scary stuff, man. And there is proof of Bat Boy's existence. I mean, back in the 70s, the 80s, this was all the rage on newsstands. People lapped this stuff up. I have to admit, I never paid it much mind. Other than just taking note that it existed, but not giving it any real weight. What a mistake that was. How would I know that in 2023, so much of what was laid out as conspiracy theory in weekly world news would become conspiracy fact in 2023 and would lay the psychological foundation for so much of what has been flowing ideologically and kinetically from within our own society on really both sides kind of weird in it I'd say so and it is true I mean there's they had physical they had actual video evidence weekly world news of bat boys existence let me share it with you now it's I should have been paying more attention this is bat boy escapes 1996. This went on for some time. This, this, this should have been the stuff that was making headlines internationally, but only, only in the United States where certain groups of people paying attention. The most bizarre, outrageous, and incredible stories from around the globe. 
Weekly World News. And now, Edwin Newman. Good evening, I'm Edwin Newman, welcoming you to another edition of Weekly World News on the air. We return to the foothills of West Virginia for an update on a story we broke last week. That boy has escaped. In a startling yes. follow-up to an earlier Weekly World News cover story, Bat Boy has escaped from this research and observation center near the campus of a West Virginia college. Surveillance cameras in place at the facility's main entrance caught this dramatic video of the Bat Boy's daring nocturnal flight. Both the authorities and his captor, zoologist Ron Dillon, warn that the three-foot-tall, 37-pound creature who answers to the name of Robin can be extremely dangerous. He may be small, but he's no house bat. He's got razor-sharp teeth and the strength of a small ape, and he can be very volatile when he's excited or frightened, which I'm sure he must be right now. As gentle as he's been with me in the wild or if he's cornered, I'm afraid that he might fight like a lion. Last spotted on the outskirts of Wheeling, West Virginia, Robin has begun to leave a trail behind him. My hardest to do out here back behind the hen house. And when I got to investigating, I saw this thing looking up at me with the biggest, meanest eyes I'd ever seen. He had one of my chickens in his mouth and he had these wings spread around him. Strangest thing though, he wasn't eating that chicken. It was more like he was licking it for bugs. Well, the alleged bat. Now I'm going to stop it there, and I'm going to say, do you think it's any any coincidence that he was near a barn licking a chicken, and Justin Trudeau spent how many eight million dollars on his barn? I think not. Think about it. Boy has been positively sighted in three West Virginia counties. And he appears to be traveling in a southwesterly direction. I was in my car and I was in total shock. I didn't know whether to go forward, backwards, stay still or what. And he just stood there and looked at me and I looked at him and he just sort of got tired of it and walked away. Since his discovery by Dylan in a cave near the Shenandoah Mountains, Robin has undergone extensive testing and observation. We can't forget that this child evolved as a cave dweller and has absolutely no knowledge of our society or our civilization. And he possesses an intelligence that far exceeds that of the smartest of chimps, and we, we truly thought that we were on the verge of communicating with him. The only explanation that I can offer for his escape is his instinct to be free. Although doubtful he will return, Dylan and his students have set traps for the bat boy back at the cave. He moves so quickly and has so much energy, he could easily make his way across the country in a week or two. We're just lucky that his wings can't support flight or we'd never find him. Everybody's been talking about this uh, bat boy. And uh, I, I just realized I, I assume it's him, you know, and uh, he came out of the woods and crossed the road and kept on going I assume it's him still Dylan is not optimistic about the prospects for Robin's capture he moves by night and sleeps by day so yeah. a little like trying to spot a shadow on a cloudy moonless night the harder you look the less you see kind of like trying to fight the deep states all shadows you tell you tell me coincidence I don't think so I just hope nobody gets hurt along the way me too it's just luck yep 
We're now fortunate to be joined by Paul Burton of the West Virginia State Police. Good evening, Trooper Burton. Oh, good evening, Mr. Newman. Trooper Burton, can you tell us exactly where you are right now? I'm in my... I just want... That's a real cop, too, okay? He's for real. That's a real guy. My office uh, on the interstate right outside of Wheeling, West Virginia. Do you have any late information on the whereabouts of Bat Boy? Yes, sir. Um, uh, there have been many calls to the Highway Patrol and other uh, local authorities regarding the whereabouts of uh, Bat Boy, but none of these leads have led to Bat Boy's capture. Well, we understand that a number of private citizens groups have organized posses and are currently conducting a private search for Bat Boy. Well, I would advise any of these citizens to to stop this immediately. And can you tell us then from what you know, is Bat Boy dangerous? From all indications we have, everybody in this nation should consider this creature a danger. It's like unfluorinated water. You just don't want to take any chances. Oh, see, I told you that cop is real. What did he just say? It's like drinking unfluorinated water. You don't want to take any chances. And we all know what fluoride will do. So he's actually promoting the fluoride narrative, isn't he? Coincidence? I don't think so. And if somebody happens to spot that boy, whether on a national highway or in his own backyard, what are you advising him to do? She called the local authorities immediately. Yep. Thank you, Trooper Burton. I thank you, Mr. Newman. And we'll be right back. Yes, we will. With that, we will take a break and we will be right back. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarmingly, some media in an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. We are being lied to. We're being lied to. We're still being lied to. But it's okay. Together, we are going to find the light. The light will lead us to the truth together. I'm not here to destroy. I'm here to enlighten. On a journey with you. Stay with me. 
the New World Order. Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind This all started so long ago, so very long ago, and yet so much that has had so much impact happened not so very long ago. Murders being solved 50 years hence, talk of aliens today, UFOs, reminds me so much of yesteryear when a president that we long for so much today who brought us patriotism, a sense of self-worth, of pride, warned us indirectly of aliens and what good they might actually do us. In our obsession with antagonisms at the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bound. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? What could be more alien to the universal aspirations of our peoples than war and the threat of war. Indeed. And is that not exactly what we face today? War. Immersed in it, we are. Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, Palestine, terrorism and that clip that i ran from jagmeet singh leader of the ndp in canada saying that he had in the past been accused of being a terrorist himself and yet ironically that is exactly how he is viewed in his home country just not in Canada. Strange, weird. Why is that? Because as I understand it, he backs the Khalistani separatists in India the geopolitical adversary of the West to begin with today. Because why? They're aligned with Russia and the BRICS nations in their quest to establish an alternative currency. Indeed, I would say in very 1984 Orwellian terms, an alternate reality politically 
those who say that Western society and our governments are just a myth are not entirely wrong, but they're certainly not right either. They're not right because these countries do exist because of us, because we support our countries and we recognize each other's countries and we have written rules in the form of laws. And the globalists want their set of rules and the nationalists on the other side. And yes, they are nationalists, the BRICS nations. They want a different set of rules, more of a natural law, a set of agreements from one country to another rather than a collective. National socialism is what they embrace instead of global socialism. The conflict of fascism and Nazism versus communism, it's so passé. It has evolved. Both sides have evolved. It's not even so much ideologically driven so much anymore. It's just about power and money at the root of it, currency. And when they say it's about oil, it's true. But that's because our currency is tied to the oil. Such was the reality after Nixon took us off the gold standard in the 1970s. Oil is money. Currency is oil. Oil is currency. That's the Middle East. That's the reality. But we want to go back to the gold standard. Well, that's another way of doing it. It's just another commodity. With scarcity is the way economists would describe it. A limited amount of it. Available and you tie the value of your dollar to it. Your currency. That's what the BRICS nations say that they are trying to do and that is because they're trying to establish an economy based more along the lines of how shall i put this reality money that is tied to some tangible commodity and on the other side it is tied to a tangible commodity. It's tied to oil. But that oil and the sale of oil in U.S. dollars has to be backed up with weapons. And that is why you have the military-industrial complex. Saudi Arabia sells the oil. They make people buy it in U.S. dollars. That props up the U.S. currency, making sure that it's the world-dominant default currency but maybe not so for very long now because the BRICS nations are coming along I'm going to take another short break I'm going to show you a strange link between a multi-millionaire prominent person the freedom movement of sorts and all this globalism the economy all wrapped up in one sort of Nifty little 
twist of fate. Stay with me. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. Kevin O'Leary, Canadian, American, businessman, multimillionaire. His name, whether he knows it or not, is being spread around out in parts of Canada by that person who is using, who has recycled that Nazi symbol. So we've been told that that person spreading kind of name dropping with Mr. O'Leary's name says that Mr. O'Leary is the guy who's supposed to be financing some of this stuff. Pretty weird. Going to finance this nationalist Thunderbird political party. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not say, accusing Kevin O'Leary of anything. I'm just saying it's a fact. The guy's name is being thrown around. And it's kind of hard for some people to connect dots on that. But I've been connecting a few. And a weird thing, more weird news. Kevin O'Leary, Dragon's Den, Shark, Shark. You see on the Shark Show too? Whatever. He's on those business shows and he's always a commentator on like Fox and you know some other channels. Smart guy. I actually like Kevin O'Leary. Ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada unsuccessfully, but was a front runner for a while. This goes back a few years. 
He believes in cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, people who are opposed to the government, people within the sovereign citizens movement, people ideologically aligned with those who advocate for system destruction, <laughs> put it that way, they embrace cryptocurrency. And it's become more apparent to me, just even within the last few weeks, how important cryptocurrency is to the people who want to initiate extreme change in our society. And I've been thinking about it more, philosophizing about it more, but it's pretty clear that Kevin O'Leary is one of those people. It's been a little bit weird just within the last couple of days. He has been excited about the establishment of a new cryptocurrency exchange being established in, of all places, Saudi Arabia. M2. He comments on it in this video where he appeared on Fox Business. I'm going to run this for you. This is kind of weird. You have to pay real close attention now, folks. And I know some of this might be because it's economics, maybe a little dry for some of you, but it's, it's a short clip, just a couple minutes long. Listen to what he says about M2, the cryptocurrency exchange, and why he thinks it's so important. He's going to talk about another exchange called Binance. Binance is based in China. It is not regulated in the same way that other exchanges are. That's why it was banned from Ontario, where I actually had a Binance account. And it had to be shut down because the Ontario Securities Exchange Commission shut it down because they weren't in compliance with Ontario and, Canadian, to some degree, Canadian regulations on that they govern currency exchanges, including cryptocurrency exchanges. M2 will be regulated. Binance not quite regulated. This will be a direct assault, basically, of the West, by the West, for the West, against one of the BRICS nations, China, and the Binance cryptocurrency exchange. This is much more important than anybody Thanks. To announce that you're sitting next to me. What's the negative credit rating mean for you? Are you dismissing this completely? No, not at all. Not at all. I'll tell you why this matters to every single taxpayer in America. The cost of borrowing just went up a little bit more. That's what these rating agencies do. They basically tell the whole world who are bond buyers of our debt, no matter what the duration is, it's just a little bit, excuse my French, a little bit crappier. Yeah, but will rates continue to go up? I think so. Now, this is a big bet everybody's trying to decide on, you know, trying to divine which way the Fed is going to go. I think personally where we're going is another 50 basis points early next year in 25, 25 increments. I'm speculating, of course. So for me, the terminal rate will be 6%, which, by the way, we've had many good economies in over the decades at 6%. But that also tells me to, to keep, I just made a big allocation to a shorter duration, uh, single A corporates and above at 5.25 last week since we last talked. And I kept half of it liquid in short duration, above 5% as well. I'm trying to hedge my bets, Stuart. Sure. I don't know. 
So I'm trying to say I'll lock in some for 24 months, but I'm not long duration yet. I'm not convinced the Fed has finished raising rates. I'm into a fund that pays me over 5% consistently, no risk. That's the do? easy way to do it. I like to make it complicated and choose my own security. Yeah, but you're so sophisticated, you see. <laughs> so let me get to this, because this is about sophistication. You say people are wasting up to 20% of their money buying stupid stuff. Your words, stupid stuff. Like what? Like stuff you don't wear, you don't need, you don't use. I have done this countless times with millennials that, you know, I, I, I teach a lot of cohorts now. Recently, Harvard, I've done MIT, Temple, uh, Notre Dame. I say, okay, everybody. Two of you, let's go into your dorm or into your home and let's look at the stuff that you've got sitting there. Let's just do that. Let's have some fun. I can identify 20 to 30 percent crap, like 10 pairs of, of sneakers and 14 jeans and 60 T-shirts and 40 hats. He's talking about Why? enslaving Why yourself. Why do you buy that crap is my whole point. Right. You don't need it. American society is geared towards consumption. Well, especially I'm, younger people. I'm telling younger people, why do you go on credit card debt at 23 percent interest? on something you only wore once. Because it's usually in these areas. Either they're eating out too much, buying coffee at $5.50. I get take a lot of criticism for that, but I'm willing to keep saying it. But mostly it's around clothing and sometimes experiences that they buy that aren't worth paying that much for. Every day I bring in my own breakfast. I think I've saved 50,000 bucks <laughs> over my 50 years in television. And the problem is, Stuart, you can afford breakfast now, but you forgot that. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna change the okay. subject. Let's Here talk crypto, shall we? Yeah. Here we go. The news around BlackRock's uh, Bitcoin ETF. Now that's really raised prices. And we've got this analyst calling, this is the nuclear winter for anyone who doubted Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, well it's are you not back just, in? Not just those two, Solana and lots of other of these, you know, fringe cryptos have had huge moves in the last week. This is the anticipation of finally licensing a Bitcoin ETF, which I'm not as optimistic will happen overnight, but it does show you that the age of the crypto cowboy, the FTX and the Binance, those days are over. And then you've got this pending announcement. It's rumored, rumored, but it's very close. This month, in the next 10 days, they will announce M2 in Abu Dhabi, the largest exchange ever that's regulated with billions backing it and tied to huge financial institutions. So that finally, unfortunately, no American can register on there. But really what they're going after is Binance will probably lose half of its accounts to the new M2. Because now you can go off something that the SEC is suing and yep, go yep. onto a compliant exchange yep. that's backed by billions of dollars and huge financial institutions. There's going to be a huge, pl a huge plus for cryptos. Oh, it's, it's going to be huge. And I am on my way. After I leave here, I'm going to go to shoot some watch stuff at, at Las Vegas during the F1. I'm going right to Abu Dhabi to be there for that opening. I so much want to be an investor in that exchange. That is going to be the exchange worldwide. All right. Not bad, Kevin. Not bad. I think you well, persuaded me. Well, I'm just disclosing the, the truth. That's it. You're a fine man. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. It's the hosting your black. So my, uh, so it's Abu Dhabi was where the exchange is um, going to be M2. That is like major because it's right there in the Middle East, heart of the oil economy, the world economy. They're pivoting. Here's the strange thing. Weird. Crypto is not even real. People <laughs> say the government's not real. It's just a corporation. It's not just a myth. <clears throat> 
It's just a figment of your imagination. It's just something that someone made up. Yeah, cryptocurrency is too. And yet people who want to break free from the system are embracing crypto as one of the solutions. You will see an effort made within the next year by someone to establish a new cryptocurrency. It will be integral to the movement toward, in their minds, a parallel society and an alternative to the system and ultimately the destruction and reconstitution of at least Canada, maybe Canada and the United States. My prediction. Who might be behind something like that? Beware. It is dangerous territory, to be sure. But look for it. What do I know? I'm just seeking truth with all of you. Who might out be out there, might be wanting to start themselves a, another version of Bitcoin, a new, a new currency to start a new world? Well, we can start to guess, I suppose. It's just a hypothesis. It's a direct assault, this M2 exchange on Binance, on China, on the BRICS nations. Now you've got two sets of realities, don't you? The BRICS currency is supposed to be based on gold, and countries like China have been buying up actual physical gold. It's about two economic ideologies and two sets of political ideologies, one based on a new international rules-based order, which is what the wars that we're facing right now are really all about at the core, ideologically. One side, the globalists, the other side, the nationalists. Russia is one of the nationalist states. This assertion that nationalism equals fascism, mm -mm, not exactly. Not really. Depends on how it's executed. It depends on if it's steeped in racism and scapegoating. But is that happening? It's kind of weird. Can't make quite, quite make sense of all of that. We'll have to dig into that a little bit deeper in the nights ahead. If they're nationalists, but are they fascists? No, because they're not, but, but they weren't in history or were they? I don't know who's on what side. Who stands for what? Or maybe they all kind of stand for the same sorts of things. 
And we're all being lied to. Deceived. Led down a garden path to self-destruction. Think they can't do that? If they can convince people to go and fight each other to the death, literally to kill each other, I think they can convince people to do a lot of things. You give them tools like the internet, drugs, psychological strategies. I think they can do anything they want. If people are not equipped, not aware, why wouldn't people be aware? I don't know, man. Maybe it's because we're distracted. Like, you know, I'm talking about weird news, right? Well, there's a lot of weird news out there these days, whether it's, uh, you know, babies with guns or, you know, as I was sifting through my news feed, I came across this the other day. Well, actually yesterday. Oh, here, this is, you know, th th like this, this isn't really a distraction, is it? This is important stuff. Let me close this and close this so that uh, you can see this. This is on, this is supposed to be like, um, I think a conservative sort of news feed. And I don't even know how I ended up on their, their list to receive notices. But man, this is obviously very, very important. This is full of ads, I'll tell you that. I get, I'm getting spamified right now with ads, pop-ups on this. Tons of ads. But here's the, here's the article. Golf influencer addresses backlash after sharing photos wearing next to nothing. My God! That's news. That's conservative news. That's important stuff. And I said, I'm just going to embrace the weirdness. If I can get past all the ads, what was this uh, this influencer's name? Paige Spiran Spiranak or whatever. Let's go find Sp Paige's Twitter thingy, okay? To find out what all the fuss is about. Because obviously, inquiring minds want to know. Well, there's Paige Spiranak. Oh, look at look at Paige Spiranak. What's the controversy about? Well, I guess she's into golf, right? Super duper golf golfified. All right, so Paige Spiranak. Oh, and look at this. Here's here's Paige's post on X that got her into hot water. There it is. Oh my goodness me, oh my. That's news. Here's let's go right to X and pick up the actual feed. There she is. Hi, Paige. Very serious news. I'm so glad that, you know, on the conservative side, they're taking news so seriously. It's amazing the outrage this outfit is causing on Instagram. It's just a little cheekier booty cleavage, as I like to say, LOL. I think it's quite tame. And this picture is cute. Thoughts? I don't know, guys and gals. What are your thoughts? Is this news? How many views did this get? Oh, 1.4 million. 1.4 million 
views. Holy smokes. Well, I can see why this is important, but you know, she did point out that she is in compliance with the dress code for the golf course because her shirt does have a collar. Rules are rules. And if you really want to comply with the new international rules-based order, then you just have to go with it. It's important. Can't be breaking the rules. And if she's following the rules, she's following the rules. Now, I don't know. I don't even, I don't understand what all the fuss is about, to be quite honest. But as long as we're dealing with the important stuff, I'm sure we'll get through the war, no problem. Kind of weird. Kind of weird, like Kevin O'Leary's name being thrown around by the guy with the Nazi flag, Nazi First Nations insulting flag thing, whatever. It's not, it, no, it's not. It says it's not a Nazi flag. It's not. It's not at all. And using that symbol, it's not. It looks exactly like it, but it's not. It looks like a carbon cop, but it's not. Carbon copy? Nope. And um, that was kind of weird, but I guess we just got to go with it. Just got to go with it, man. It's weird. You know what else is weird? Well, it's not weird, but it's true. I don't know if anybody's paying any attention to this, but China, they have a, a rocket. And you know what the rocket can do? What the rocket can do? The rocket can be reused. Kind of just like Elon Musk's rockets for SpaceX. Here, check it out. Goes up, must come down, and it can come down. It can land. Coming down. Coming down, old widow. Is that real? Oh, yeah, baby, that's real. What did we hear from the House Committee on World Threats today about China stealing technology? Where do you think that technology came from? Elon. SpaceX. China. I like China. They're more capitalistic than <laughs> just about any country I know, man. They're communists. <laughs> They're easy to do business with. They're very good to do business with, actually. Very good. But they do steal crap. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. Uh-huh. Because they don't care. Because they are a sovereign nation state. And you tell me, is it just a myth? China as a country, a nation? Is it a de jure government or a de facto government? What the hell difference does it make? They're real, man. They've got control. They've got rockets and military and a robust growing economy. 
and they're a threat to the West, and they stole that technology, and they stole a lot of other stuff, too. And in some ways, I don't even really blame them, because on the Western side, with the corporatocracy that we have established and the government protections that are in place for those big corporations. <laughs> well, there's no way of entry for uh, any kind of competition. That's what the government does is they protect those big corporations and that's where you get the public private partnership thing coming into play. And that's why during the pandemic, they locked everybody down and did a number on small business. Huge transfer of wealth from small business to the big corporations. That's why Costco was open, folks, while mom, pa, shoe store was closed. That's why Walmart was doing business. Well, the corner store was shut down. Small, it was an absolute assault on small business. So, China, you know, if you're you're not part of the game and you're running a say a small store, you can't buy like if you when I had a hobby shops. You know how hard it was to buy Mattel toys at wholesale so that you could resell the stuff at a competitive price against the majors. Impossible. Virtually impossible. Because Mattel won't sell to you at a price that will allow you to compete with Walmart. At best, if you buy direct from Mattel, wholesale, you'll be paying the same price that Walmart charges consumers out the door because you can't do enough volume. They don't care about you. So the Chinese don't care about them. So they do knockoff products. That's what a lot of that is about. And they will steal the technology too. And if you think that America doesn't steal technology, think again. Every country's involved in it, man. Given half a chance, given a chance at all, they'll engage. That's what they do. They're like gangsters, all these world leaders. They're not so ideologically um, pure. It's just about whatever serves their interest at the time. That's why so much of political stuff doesn't, so much of it just doesn't make sense. But that guy's a conservative. Why did he align with the communist? Because it served the purpose at the time. So they teamed up. But the fascist and the communist, they got together too. Why did they do that? Doesn't make any sense. Aren't they supposed to be enemies? Well, they're supposed to be, but they're not when it serves their purpose to not be. And, you know, it's all about getting people to do your bidding when you are in power. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and the flying cars thing. Here's this. I, I touched on this earlier today, and it kind of relates. So I'll just mention it. Here's a story. Not my story. Not my version, but here it is. This is, uh, this is from HT Auto. Drive your passion. It says, flying cars may be a reality by the end of this decade. And that is from the Hyundai Motor Corporation. 
Well, I can tell you too that the CEO of Hyundai just went to an economic development forum hosted by Bloomberg. Justin Trudeau was there. It happened this past week, just within the last few days. And the chairman of and CEO of Hyundai called for, you guessed it, public-private partnerships in order to push forward with the development of flying cars, air mobility, drones, air transport between cities, urban transport. It's going to happen. I've watched the videos. I've taken a look at it. It's going to happen. And sooner than you think. And that's what 5G is all about. And it is going to fundamentally change the airline industry. It's going to change the way people travel. It will be faster. It will be convenient. It will be available in virtually every small city. It'll be like an Airbus. It's going to be cool. I'm not afraid of it. But we should be monitoring and seeing where they take us with it. It'll happen. Maybe by the end of this decade, you're going to see these flying cars. Drones in the air. But they won't be flown by people, I don't think. It'll be far too dangerous to let people fly around in these things. The people will be crashing into each other in the air. It will be autonomous, controlled by 5G and artificial intelligence. And people will be riding around on these things. Weird, eh? But true. You'll be taking an autonomous taxi to a heliport in your city. Walking in, it'll be like a mini airport. You'll climb into these things. They will take off. And you will get to destinations that... Otherwise, it might take an hour or two. You'll be there in like minutes, 15-minute trips, 200 kilometers an hour, 300 kilometers an hour. High-speed rail, forget about it. Don't build it. Anybody talking about high-speed rail, tell them to shut the hell up. Give me these things, man. Give them to me. I'll run a story. I'll run my story maybe tomorrow and show you. High-speed rail, forget about it. Don't want it, don't need it. This will be better for the world. And you know what it also tells me? They ain't going to lock people into 15-minute cities. No, sir. Oh, they'll penalize you for driving a car. That's your 15-minute city. But you ain't really going to need it. Not really. Because you're going to be flying. Now, I want my car. So let's keep it. But the future is coming. And it might not be so bad as long as we monitor stuff and learn to control it. And we need to do that. I'm not saying it's all a bed of roses in the future. We've got serious issues to tackle. But wow, this is exciting stuff. We just need to control it. We need laws. We need to get rid of Justin Trudeau because that guy, he can't see the future. Not really. Not properly. He's too authoritarian. 
We need to free ourselves. We need to use the technology to free ourselves. And it can free us. But it's scary. I know that. I know it. But it's coming whether we like it or not, folks. And it is weird. And the people, you know, I think that there's some people who do want to stop everything, just tear everything down. And yet, strangely, the people who want to tear it all down and uh, have us all afraid of the technology are the same ones advocating for the creation of a new cryptocurrency or the use of cryptocurrency, new technology, blockchain, currency based on nothing, like literally nothing other than public faith. They're the same ones who are telling us all to go live in a cabin in the woods and isolate ourselves and run away. I'm not so sure that's quite the answer either. I get it. And in an extreme emergency, yeah, you want to run and hide and get away from the, the tyranny of the mob, the zombie horde coming to eat your brains. Get away, run away, run away. But that's not a long-term solution. The long-term solution is recognize that the change is coming, accept that there's nothing you can do to change change because it's inevitable. There's one constant in the universe, one natural law. It is that change is constant. It's coming. So I say embrace it. Try to control it. Put checks and balances and a safety mechanism in place and use it to our advantage to ensure our freedom not be enslaved by the technology. And Kevin O'Leary touched on that. Why do you buy all the crap? All the stuff at 23% interest on credit cards. Because you listen to the advertising, that kind of psyop, and you don't really understand how the system works. The most vulnerable are the people who are preyed upon most. The most vulnerable are the ones who roll into a used car dealership and believe the salesman when he says, I'm going to help you build your credit. No, he's going to help you enslave yourself with debt using subprime lending at an interest rate that will make sure that you pay through the nose for that used car for years to come and end up paying way more for it than you ever should. But you do it because you think they're helping you build your credit. Beware of those who would lead you to a new world with some sort of a new cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is based on something. It's based on the adoption and confidence of the public, of you, the people. If you believe it, you believe in it, that's what props it up. Because you've adopted its use, you continue to use it. But there's really nothing physical behind it. So if people lose faith in it. If there's ever, say, a market crash and there's a run on cryptocurrency, like a run on the bank, and everyone goes to cash it all in, it will plummet to zero in the blink of an eye. Because that, folks, 
is natural law. However, if it's regulated, as Kevin O'Leary alludes to with M2, the scenario might change just a little bit. Nevertheless, if it's not backed up by something tangible, an actual commodity, then you might just find that Western society is still in a whole heap of trouble and in, in facing actual real instability. And I will get into the cryptocurrency stuff another night in more depth, but it uh, has become apparent to me that while people see crypto as a hedge against inflation, crypto itself, I think, is inherently inflationary, just like any fiat currency. But it does it in reverse. Wow, why? Everything that's going on in our society, with our politics, with our culture, it's being flipped upside down. Everything is upside down. How can cryptocurrency inflate backwards compared to a regular fiat currency? How could it be that the new Nazis are the Jews? How could it be? <laughs> Shall I go on? Everything is upside down. Everything. Good is bad. Bad is good. Religion is out of vogue, out of style. We've lost our moral compass. We've lost our way. We've lost our rudder. We don't know what's true anymore. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to tell you, don't take the red pill. Don't take the blue pill. They're both an illusion. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarmingly, some media in an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. And all this weirdness, this political weirdness, this cultural weirdness, this societal weirdness, this weird news. So much of it seems to center around Donald Trump, doesn't it? Of course it does. Because it's not clear what's real and what's true. It's it just, it's hard to keep track. And it all started some time ago. But right now, today, he's facing all these legal challenges. And isn't it weird how Hillary never got locked up? And isn't it weird how Donald Trump is facing all these legal challenges? And they just seem to drag on and on and on. And has anybody been charged with so much legal stuff for so long? Isn't it weird? 
Well, this guy says that finally Trump has suffered a knockout blow in his trial. You're watching the legal breakdown. So, Glenn, we've got some devastating news for Trump in the form of newly released confidential testimony from Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. Those are Trump's former attorneys during their proper sessions with Fulton County, Georgia investigators. Hmm. Now, first of all, the most damning part, Jenna Ellis saying that Trump, quote, would not leave the White House under any circumstance. We're just going to stay in power. Oops. This is a knockout blow on the criminal intent. Front. I mean, there's no way for Donald okay. Trump to maintain even a little glimmer of hope of convincing people that he lacked criminal intent. Why? Because once you have witnesses, your own lawyers, for goodness sake, saying, you know, you informed everybody that it didn't matter if you lost, you're not leaving, you're not relinquishing power. So this evidence really is something of a knockout blow that can be used to prove Donald Trump's criminal intent once and for all, conclusively, beyond a reasonable doubt. But lest we think it's too good to be true, there's still a caveat, Brian. And the evidence has to be in admissible form. What do I mean by that? Well, Jenna Ellis reportedly said that Dan Scavino, one of Donald Trump's close aides, um, was the one who was relating this information. Here's the thing. It's hearsay from any other witness except the one who heard it come out of Donald Trump's mouth himself. So when the statement was attributed to Dan Scavino, and there's a really important pronoun in there, she said, Dan Scavino said, we are not leaving. Bingo, because now that incriminates Dan Scavino as well. That will have implications when they are fighting over the admissibility of certain statements at Donald Trump's trial. But what prosecutors really want is the person who heard the admission from the horse's mouth himself. So the, the minute I heard this reporting, um, I thought to myself, OK, well, Dan Scavino, we know, together yeah. with Mark Meadows, mm -hmm. were referred for criminal prosecution for contempt of Congress. I yeah. know it seems like ancient history now, but neither one of them. Were prosecuted neither okay let me translate this and put this into layman's terms for you okay so what what's he really saying he's saying this trump <laughs> That's basically it. Do I think it's a knockout blow? Let me give you my analysis. No. <laughs> Jesus. Blah! No. 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 It's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. On. That's the truth. Because it's about money and power, and these people, all of them, play by a different set of rules. And while they play by the different set of rules, <laughs> 
we get to watch real news, like important stuff, super important stuff. And and we get to watch like like entertainment stuff. And we we there's like all the celebrity stuff that was really important. And then there's like this stuff right here. Women, beautiful dresses, fashion show. There. Don't look at those thingies there. Oh, see, there's your politics right there on that lady's belly. Yes. You get that? Oh, my goodness. Is that a, is that a tattoo? Don't look. Don't look. Yeah, she says, don't look, but she's got eyes on her hands because you know why? Alien. That's why. Freaking alien. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't even show you this next one. This is the ISIS Fashion Awards 2022 Part 7 Nude Accessory Runway Catwalk Show. What's the big deal? Oh, my goodness. Let me just get you a clip. I know you all want to see it. I got to get to a point where it's like, okay. Okay, this lady's dressed, okay? All right, so this one's dressed, so I can show you this. So this is family safe. It's, you know what comes to mind when I'm, okay? And then I'm like, I'm supposed to narrate this, and it's like, um, so then I go into my legalese again and it's, which, which is, okay, enough. We won't run that. Okay. But did you see the political statement, the cultural statement, the transgender symbol on the lady's belly? Because why? Politics is culture. Culture is politics. Art. Mimics life, life mimics art. It's all tied in together. When they're screwing with people's heads, when they're trying to influence you in one way or another, that's one of the ways they do it through art, entertainment, fashion. Where did Donald Trump come from? Celebrity. Do I like him? Yeah, I like him. Is he really on the outside though? I don't know, man. Where did he come from? He can't, he was a developer. Real estate guy. Real estate. It's interesting. And you know, I think back in time, it's not very long ago, and I think of Karen McDougal, you know? You know who Karen McDougal is? She was a former Playboy playmate. She, she became pretty important in the, was it the 2016 election? 2018, whatever. 
They were trying to do a number on Trump in the media, right? So they pulled out Karen McDougal. And if you recall, she had a fling when he was married with Karen McDougal. I remember when Karen McDougal was on the cover of Playboy. Um, I remember seeing it on the newsstands. Stunningly beautiful lady. And uh, well-spoken. Actually, very refined. Certainly not flea market material. Not Karen McDougal. And Donald Trump, he had a relationship with this lady. And uh, they tried to smear Trump with it because she signed a non Well, she sold her story to who else? The National Enquirer. And she wanted to get her story back. And so she did do an interview with CNN. Anderson Cooper. Here's a report from The Time just to kind of refresh your memory a little bit. But anyway, it kind of backfired on uh, the media. Karen McDougal did not deliver for them in the way that they were hoping. Anyway, here. Right there. McDougal is woman one in the court papers filed by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. It's alleged Trump and the National Enquirer agreed to pay her $150,000 to secure her silence about claims she had a long-term affair with Trump. Right now, only on 360, conversation with former Playboy model Karen McDougal. McDougal's claims caused a sensation when she was interviewed by Anderson Cooper in 2018. You. you were together. Many dozens of times. And yes. you were intimate. Yes. Dozen, many dozens mm -hmm. of times. They met, she said, in June 2006 at this party at the Playboy Mansion during the filming of The Apprentice. Wow. Wow. Their first date took place 12 days later, McDougal said, at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Trump was staying in a bungalow. This is how it looks inside. Plush, elegant, luxurious. We had dinner there for a few hours. Uh, we talked for a few hours. We had a great time. We were getting to know each other. Um, we we're talking about his birthday. And then as, as the night ended, we, we were intimate. Afterwards, she said, she was humiliated when Trump offered her money. I actually didn't know how to take that. Did he actually try to hand you money? He did. I looked at him and I said, that's not me. I'm not that kind of girl. But she said the affair continued for 10 months, all during the first two years of his marriage to Melania. Were you in love with him? I was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you think he was in love with you? He was, yeah. Did Donald Trump ever say to you that he loved you? All the time. At one point, she said, Trump showed her around his apartment. Yeah. That's why it didn't work. The smear job. They wanted to portray Donald Trump as a cad, as a really bad dude who mistreated women. It didn't work. Because in that interview, which I watched in its entirety at the time, you could tell she actually loved the guy. And she, I think, was heartbroken. And she wanted her story back so she could write a book or do whatever. But she loved him. Weird. But true. And that's why you don't hear much about Karen McDougal anymore. They got the story, but it wasn't the story they wanted.
it true. And I think Karen McDougal is actually kind of a classy lady, to be honest with you. And that was true news. Absolutely true. But then I think back to all the weirdness and I think about Donald Trump and who coined the term fake news. Donald Trump coined the term fake news. And, you know, McDougal, what was it? She sold the rights to her story, whatever, because of an NDA to the National Enquirer. Trump was always tied to the National Enquirer. The National Enquirer always wrote favorable stories about Trump. And I remember people saying <laughs> that of all the media publications out there, it's the National Enquirer that they could trust most. Over time, everything became so weird in the news and the media undermined its own credibility so much that people no longer had any confidence in the media. And Trump coining the term fake news and then this exchange here with Jim Acosta of CNN. I mean, this for me was sort of like one of the peak moments in the rise of distrust and discreditation of the media. Just sit down, please. But when you when you report fake President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, caravan was not an invasion. It's a it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me. And why why did you why did you characterize it as such? Uh, and because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants in not this election no, to try to want keep... them I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in Jim through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in and we need the people. Your you know, campaign wait, your campaign. Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, guys? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, you know what? That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may. That's enough. I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if go. I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what. CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter. Who <laughs> well, I'm not a big fan of us. yours either. So I understand. To be honest. So let, me, so let me ask you a question if I can. You repeatedly you said. Are, you aren't the best. Mr. President, you repeatedly, over the course okay, of. Just sit down, please. Well, when you, when you report fake news. No. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot. 
you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President, over the course over the course of the last several days of the campaign, sir, mm. sir, at the end of the campaign, you repeatedly said that Americans need to fear Democrats. You said it would unleash a wave of violent crime that endangers families everywhere. Why are you because pitting very Americans? Crime. Why Excuse are you me. pitting why Excuse are you pitting Americans Peter. against one another, sir? Peter, are you trying to be him? No, Peter, I'm just asking let me, the just, question. let me just tell you. Very simple. Because they're very weak on crime. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and it went on. And it still goes on today, actually. I think that news conference never ended. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It still continues today, to this very day. <laughs> oh, man. Transgender symbols on the bellies of supermodels who appear to be prego. <laughs> oh, well, they send us videos like this in our feeds to do what? Well, to keep us physically fit, right? So here I am. I'm just scanning my feed. And what do I, what do I find? Well, let me see this. You know, physical fitness is important, folks. You got to stay physically fit. Got to stay physically fit. Okay, so here's your stretching video. I'm sure this one's for the ladies. It couldn't have anything to do with a male demographic. I, why they're putting it in my feed, I have no idea. Interesting t-shirt she has on. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, it's important to stay limber. Why are they sending that to me? On YouTube? I don't know. I guess they figure I'm a woman. <laughs> Just, I don't think so. Is that to distract me? I guess. Got to keep the masses, got to keep the, the sheeple entertained, lest they start asking questions and start rising up. <laughs> oh, and they've been doing it for so long. When I was younger, back in the 80s, they had the 20-minute workout in Canada. It was a physical, it was like a phys, it was like a exercise show with like super hot super exercise models in super spandex. <laughs> I was in college at the time working in the college radio station. And uh, yeah, we used to run it every morning on the on the the video monitors, and I used to work out to it. It's so stupid. It was such a stupid show, uh, but it, it kept everybody limber. And we were all in the newsroom. We would we would we'd do our twenty minute workout. <laughs> Just so stupid. It was so dumb. Oh yeah, but you. But look, it spawned some very good things, right? So today we have cheeky golf supermodels. We've got we've got uh, yoga stretching in our news feed. We've got uh, aliens. We've got Donald Trump. Oh, that is so flea market. 
<laughs> You're fake news. You sit down. It's so Jerry Springer. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, yeah. People love it. I love it. Actually, I kind of do. I kind of do. That's why I'm like, well, today they're also upset about Trump and his statement about tracking down the vermin, right? So it goes on even now. He's not even the president anymore, or is he? <laughs> I suppose it depends on who you ask. Okay. You know, it's okay, become Jake Tapper. He still goes on. Americans they got how they Trump might respond on, on the something. brain. Welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper. You know, it's become cliche to ask Americans how they might respond to something Donald Trump has said, to ask if such a thing were taking place in another country, what they might think. It's so cliche, in fact, that I've never asked you to engage in this exercise. But his comments as of late have been so stark and so shocking that I am now going to ask you to remove yourself from what you may now have all become numb to in terms of American politics and try to look at what we are all being subjected to from a different perspective. Say a top politician in, I don't know, Canada, and ask yourself, what would be your response? What would be your response if a candidate for Canadian prime minister started calling Anyone in Canada who opposes him, who criticizes him, calling them vermin. Vermin that he would root out and expunge from the fine nation of Canada. What would you say? No doubt you would be shocked. No doubt you would be disgusted. No doubt any major really. political candidate in Canada using language like that, language yeah. that recalls Mussolini and Hitler, you mm -hmm. would be disgusted by. Yeah. We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. What would you say if a potential prime minister in Canada, a leading candidate to, to run that great country, said that he or she, after being elected, was going to use the government to exact revenge on anyone who had criticized him? If I happen to be president uh, and I see somebody who's doing well and beating <laughs> me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. Okay, so you know this is not a theoretical exercise. The Washington Post has reported that Donald Trump has been mapping out specific plans to use specific parts of the federal government to punish his critics, to yeah. go after his opponents. Do you and blame according him? to people who have talked <laughs> to Trump, they've done? Trump has said in private that he wants the Justice Department to investigate and possibly prosecute, among others, his former chief of staff, Marine General John Kelly, his former attorney yeah. general, Bill Barr, his former attorney, Ty Cobb, yeah. and former joint chiefs of staff general, yeah. Mark Milley. Yeah. <laughs> Another plan that Donald Trump is being open about, yeah. rounding up the millions of undocumented immigrants in the United States and putting them in camps, putting them in camps, detention camps, to await deportation. So th there's no candidate in Canada like that. You know that, and I'm sorry to my I don't know, Justin Trudeau, I kind of want to put everybody in camps, I think, maybe. Kind and, of. and there are, look, there are conservative yeah, leaders all over the world. There are 
conservative leader of the UK right now. There's a conservative conservative leader in Italy. There's one in Greece. <laughs> they, they don't sound anything like that. They kind of do. The only actually. major Western leader who sounds like this not really. is Donald Trump right I here in the United so. States. And I his language, maybe another calling guy does his too. opponent, quote, vermin, uh, is nope. shocking. And his proposals yeah. about using the Justice Department to go after critics, it's unfathomable. And I, it's I can fathom it. Now, the Washington <laughs> Post easily, reached out actually. to the Trump campaign to get a response to how his language, this vermin terminology, mm -hmm. echoes that of previous dictators like Mussolini and Hitler. A spokesman for Mr. Mm. Trump said, quote, those who try to make that ridiculous assertion are clearly snowflakes <laughs> grasping for anything because they are suffering from yeah. Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. And their entire existence will be crushed <laughs> if President Trump returns to the White House. Unquote. <laughs> what better way to prove you do not have authoritarian instincts than <laughs> by promising your critics entire existence will be crushed <laughs> yeah. upon returning to the right. White House? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Not one bit. You have to remember there, Jake, Jakey boy, <laughs> that uh, Mr. Trump there, he uh, he's kind of tied into the whole Alex Jones, Elvis might not quite be dead, QAnon, um, National Enquirer, Weekly World News thingy there, you know. And uh, being from a candidate up here, um, as I is, then uh, I can tell you that our PM, Mr. Fancy Socks, Mr. Trudeau boy, well, he, yeah, he locked me in my house during the pandemic. And he said there will be no Christmas. He stole it. He stole it into Christmas from us. He's a really bad guy. Nobody likes him no more, Jakey. I'm just telling you, come out to Newfoundland. They'll tell you all about it. They're ganderful out there in Gander, Gander Newfoundlanders. But you don't need to worry too much there, Jakey boy, because as scary as everything is, Bat boy, they found him. They found it, they found it, Bat boy. So it's going to be okay. Here's the special report. Bat Boy, find it. Here we go. Exclusive here on Maverick News. Stories from around the globe. Weekly World News. And now, Edwin Newman. Hello, Edwin. I'm Edwin Newman, welcoming you to another edition of Weekly World News on the air. Our cover story this evening begins in a cave deep beneath the Earth's surface. It is here that a college professor and a group of his students have uncovered what may be a living remnant of our human past. <gasps> they revolt us. They haunt us. Oh my God. But mostly what they do is horrify us. Yes. Though bats have a long way to go before becoming man's best friend, Professor Ron Dillon, chairman of the zoology department at Ozark State College, has spent much of his life trying to dispel the myths about these flying mammals. 
Professor Dillon led a group of students on a two-day expedition through caves just east of the Shenandoah Mountains. Ooh. Dillon went deep underground within the crepuscular caves in search of a virtual city of bats. Barry, I ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. No a question. Where did the, where did the, 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 the big bad virus come from, eh? Deep inside a cave. Remember? Probably from the bat coincidence i don't think so oh also do you know what else they got them tunnels under the earth there eh? and in the caves and you know what they have down there all them bat creatures the children were laid eyes on no amount of knowledge or study or appreciation for the inherent integrity of the species could prepare me for what we discovered one of my students, Bob, had brought along his camcorder and was able to document the journey. Good, good when thinking. we came up to the mouth of the cave, we heard a shriek that we couldn't identify. Sounds kind of like Sarsquatch. Let's go. I went into the cave for a closer look. But no, it's a little bit different, eh? A little bit higher pitch. I saw it. Could be a 350 Chevy. I don't know. Its legs Maybe a hemi. I don't know. Caught between the rocks. Deep in that West Virginia cave, Dylan Definitely V8. Be described as a creature that was half boy. Oh my gosh! I hardly know what to make of him. He appears to be human, but he's not like any other human being <laughs> I've ever seen. He's three feet tall, weighs 33 pounds. His eyes are twice as big as they should be, and his ears are phenomenally large and well developed. He was obviously terrified when we found him. Yeah. He started panic, started clawing and scratching and screaming like a demon. I, I had to tranquilize him to bring him out of the cave. <gasps> Dylan Drugs. rushed his amazing discovery, who was named Robin after Batman's so. young ward. They named him after Robin. The college. Batman. A special environment was created for testing, observation, and Bat Boy's comfort. In the weeks that we've been here, we've learned a lot about him, though every answer just seems to raise another question. This much we do know. He appears to be between three and four years old. He's just over three feet tall, and he now weighs 37 pounds, which is too heavy for him to fly. Dylan believes that the bat child belongs to a race that lives miles below the surface and is extremely mm -hmm. sensitive to bright light. My guess would be that they evolved these bat-like features and abilities to enable them to survive in total darkness. But how they got there in the first place is something I'm afraid we might never know. Robin has adapted well to captivity, gaining four pounds since his capture. He can fly with just them ears. First, Doesn't uh, need any other wings. He's been doing very well since we took him off of human food and started feeding him bugs. He eats his weight in him every day, and the hunt keeps his instincts sharp. It's extremely quick and very active. All that activity tires him out as it... Bugs. Crickets. Coincidence? I don't think so. Would any young boy. And Robin follows his instinct for sleep as well. Dylan's affection for Robin is clear and runs as deep as the cave where he found him. But as much as he loves his bat child, his scientific curiosity has already led to the planning of his next ascent into uh -huh. his bat cave in the spring. This strange little boy may very well lead us to a world within the world, a highly complex subterranean civilization. No matter what happens, it's going to change the way we think about mankind and evolution forever. Wowzer. 
Wowzer. Weekly World News. That's the real news, eh? That and the National Enquirer. And all the other stuff that we get today, too. Let's just embrace it, folks. Let's just accept it. Just give ourselves over to it. Because the truth is too strange. I'd much rather have the weird news. Therein lies, I don't know if it's truth, but it's certainly comforting. If nothing else, it takes me back to my youth. <laughs> oh, and yet it's all, it's all kind of like, it, it's, it's connected. I won't even get into the UFO stuff I had queued up for tonight in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe we'll just cap it off. No, yes. Okay, let's do it. Shall we? Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock. This is another TV show that I used to watch, and they had it down, man. They knew it was coming. You tell me. Here's Leonard Nimoy back in, what, the 70s, early 80s, talking about UFOsers. And for all you hosers out there, this is a popular show. And you tell me, did they not know what was really coming? Did they not know back then? Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. Helen Kay and her children saw this object land on a football field in Medford, Minnesota. Proof. The drawing's proof. The last systematic attempt by the U.S. government to investigate UFOs was conducted by the Air Force and was called Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book ended in 1968. The Air Force had by then investigated more than 11,000 UFO sightings and found explanations for all but 676. The Air Force seemed to have no interest in the sightings it could not readily attribute to earthly phenomena. Perhaps it's time to approach the question of UFOs again, without bias. Right. For we can only hope that if we are being studied by aliens, it is with more thoroughness and care than we have focused on them. Yeah. Think about it. Who would know more about UFOs? Than Mr. Spock. Nobody. And they said he died. But did you, and I talked about Star Trek 2 the other night, but did you see Star Trek 3? Search for Spock. What happened? They brought him back to life. Coincidence? I don't think so. Donald Trump. Running for re-election. Taking another shot at her. Might even come back to life politically. 
Coincidence? I don't think so. Personally, I want Donald Trump to win because when he has special guests over to the White House, like that sports team that won whatever it was, was it the World Series or whatever, you remember what he fed them? Mickey D's. Because the United States is a country of the people, by the people, for the people, common people. Who the hell needs communism when you already have Donald Trump? You want to serve the common people? Get them back in there, folks. I'm all for it. Uh, it's just, it's uh, it's a circus. It's a circus. Unfortunately, it's deadly serious. It's a deadly serious circus. And I wish it wasn't so. But it is. Stay focused. Stay grounded. Don't take the red pill. Don't take the blue pill. Both are an illusion. I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Maverick Family. Catch you on the flip side. Love you. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.